How many of you from time to time have one of those mornings that just everything goes different from the way that you thought it was going to go? And uh, I mean, uh, almost from the moment I woke up this morning, it's, that's been my morning. And you just have to laugh. Because <laughs> you know where it's coming from. You know, <laughs> you know what the enemy is trying to do. And um, so, uh, so I've made several trips back and forth from my house this morning to church, and uh, uh, <laughs> and so uh, so God's got some good things this morning. Hallelujah! All right, if you got your Bibles this morning, hopefully you do, uh, or your uh, your iPhones or your your apps or whatever. Uh, please punch in or turn to the Matthew chapter five, if you would. We began last week with Pastor Rifle, a, uh, a brand new summer sermon series called Mountaintop Excursions, and it, we are going to go through the Sermon on the Mount together. So I encourage you this summer, take, let this be a, a, uh, a passage that you just pour over and read and ask God to, to give you revelation on what He is saying in here at this is an amazing passage. Uh, I don't know if you realize that this passage recorded from what Jesus said is the longest passage in the entire New Testament. There is no other, no other passage as long as this one is of recorded down that which Jesus taught and said at one time. And so uh, apparently Matthew felt like it was very important, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to, to write this down. And, uh, is, and so we're going to take time. We'll have different people coming up on Sunday morning leading the excursion to the mountaintop. And uh, myself and Rifle and Jason and others, we're going to lead you and we're going to discover what God has at the mountaintop for you and I. Amen? And so uh, how many of you are here were last week? You were here last week. Okay. How many of you really enjoyed Rifle's message? Uh, only three of you. I'm so sorry, Roger. I thought there would be more. thought there would be more, buddy. <laughs> no. I just saw the picture on Facebook. Cindy and I were down in Charlotte, North Carolina, ministering at a church. Had an amazing time down there. And I just saw him with, saw him with a fishing pole. So I... I, I oh, is there a carrot? Carrot on the end of the fishing pole? Okay, I didn't see the carrot. Just saw the fishing pole. So I know this man loves to fish, and I just like... Buddy, give it a break, okay? You're at church. (laughs) All right. Matthew chapter 5. Let's look real quick in verse 1 and 2, okay? And um, uh, today the title of my message is Matters of the Heart, Living from the Inside Out. Matters of the Heart, Living from the Inside Out that I believe that one of the things that Jesus was, that, that he's like he, he is take, he's a master craftsman and he has woven throughout this whole passage the idea of how to live your life from the inside of your place in God to the outside. And that's something we have to learn because we live our life naturally from the outside in. We, we allow things, circumstances, things of life to affect us. We carry it around. 
wounds, hurts, uh, circumstances that happen in life, and it molds the inside of our life almost. And so we live most of our life, and we're in that pattern of living in that way. And it's, it's like how our day goes is dependent upon how the external goes for us. And so we, we end up living from the outside in. And that's not the life that God has designed for us to live. And Jesus is sitting down with the people. You think about it, a people that is ruled by the law. They have lived their entire lives of trying to measure up to the law. And they are living from the outside in. Thinking, if I can do this, if I can do this, and I can do this, then my life will be better, more holy, whatever. And so they have lived their entire lives from the outside in. They've been taught to live that way by the Pharisees, by the rabbis, by the teachers of the law. And so Jesus comes upon the scene, and he is different from any other man they have ever met. He's, I would say he's like a man from a different world, which he was. He was from the kingdom of God, you know. And it says here that Jesus does something that nobody else does. You know, many times in Scripture you'll find that where they will call Jesus rabbi, teacher. And he was seen in that light by the people. And it says, in seeing the multitudes in chapter 5, he went up on the mountain, and when he was, when he was seated, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. So he's sitting on the ground, and whenever a rabbi would be ready to teach in the temple, he would always sit down to teach. This is very different, you know, standing up to teach. They, they, the teachers would sit down, and they would instruct. They would teach the law. They would teach the Old Testament. Then it says, then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. We have, to, we have to understand that Jesus was unlike any other person that ever came upon the scene. Did everything different. Everything was radical in what he did. Had never been done before. And Jesus took that which was meant for the temple, meant for in, inside the walls of the temple, and he took it outside. He took it outside where the people were. He took it outside proclaiming that God can meet you anywhere at any time under any circumstance, basically. That it's not within the temple, it's not within the church that God meets you and God and fellowships with you. It's any place, any time, whatever. And so he's doing something that had never been done before in that way. And the multitudes are gathering around and Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching in a way that they were astounded, it says. They had, never, they had never heard teaching like the teaching of Jesus before. And what he, was, what he was saying and how he was describing how life was to be led. Because when Jesus would come, he would, it, was said, it proclaimed that Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God, and he said, now, you need to repent. You need to change your mind. You need to change the direction how you're living life. You need to go in a different way because God has a brand new way of living for you. And here he is in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and he's describing that life. 
He's describing that life. And like I said, when he, when he finishes at the end of chapter 7, this is what it was said about Jesus. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29, it says that so it was when Jesus had ended, ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I read that and I wonder, okay, what does that mean? What does that really mean? Was it that just they, they recognized the authority of God on them or whatever? But they said they were astonished at his teaching. I believe that you gain authority when that which you hold in your heart, you live it out. If, if I was, um, let's say that I, um, I have to fix the foundation in my home. Okay, and I say, which we do right now, need to fix the foundation in our home. I don't have a clue, okay? I am clueless in how to do something like that, all right? But if I talk with someone that that's their business, that's what they do, and, and I watch them and I see how they have helped and how they repaired other homes and things like that, then that person is going to have a sense of authority in my life. That when he says, well, this is what is wrong, this is what needs to happen, this is how we're going to need to to support and make the changes in the foundation of your home, then I'm going to believe him. Because I've seen what he does, and and he knows what he's doing. I believe the people had seen the life of Jesus. They had recognized how Jesus not only spoke the word, but he lived the word. He lived that which was in his heart. He lived it out. It says in John chapter 1, um, verse 14, it says that Jesus was the Word and the Word became flesh. Meaning basically that the Word that we hear, they saw it by a man living out that Word. By a man that, that took the things that was in his heart and not only expressed the things in his heart, but while wow, he lived it out. He lived it out in how he dealt with people how he loved people, how he interacted with people. And it says that, 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 that as a word became flesh, and it says that his glory was of the Father. That which they recognized upon Jesus, like, wow, you're like no other man. And, and, and Jesus made it very clear that what they saw within his life was because of his time spent with the Father. Out of a place of intimacy with the Father, There was a recognition. There was something upon the life of Jesus. Amen? And it says that His glory was expressed in grace and truth. Grace and truth. So here is Jesus sitting down and He's beginning to explain, really, this whole passage. We we could spend many sermons on just this one topic, the matters of the heart. Because that's exactly what Jesus is laying out in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He was saying, listen, your life is ruled by the external. Your life is ruled by an external righteousness trying to live up to something. What I am wanting to talk about are the matters of the heart. How many of you know that God always deals with the matters of the heart? He never deals with the external. He always deals with with the matters of the heart. 
Let's say that I have an extremely bad problem in lying. I lie to everybody. <laughs> Let's just say, you know, that I just have a really bad problem in lying. And I, man, I have repented. And I have repented to say, God, forgive me that I lied. And I do, I do it again. For God, wow, boy, I didn't mean to do that. Well, I lied again. And, and so I'm dealing with that external thing, the expression of my sin and lying. And people just say, Pastor Doug, you know, you've got you to change here, man. You, we don't know if we can trust you because you're lying so much. And so if I continue to focus on the outside, the external, if I continue to focus on, I really have a problem with lying. I'm going to fix that thing. How many of you know that it never gets fixed? How many of you have tried to fix things in your life? How many of you tried to say, wow, that's not really good. It doesn't please God, so I'll fix it, and I'll never do that again. Well, how, does that, how, how did that go for you? You know, how well did that go for you? Probably not too well. Because the thing about it is that we always focus upon the external. That's just how we do. We always, and Jesus is talking to people that they've lived their life focusing upon the external. And he's saying there's a new way to live. That you don't live that way, you live from the heart. Now, if I go before the Lord and say, God, okay, this something's not working. I'm repenting. I repent every day, all the time, day after day. Nothing is changing. I don't understand what the problem is. And God says, well, let's look a little bit deeper into your heart, Doug. What motivates you to lie? What is the root that's really there? Lying is not your issue. But fear of men may be your issue. That maybe you, 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 you hold the, the opinions of others higher than you hold my opinion of your life. And in order to protect yourself and make sure that you think that, that, that people think well of you, then you lie. So he says, listen, what you need to repent of is not lying. But what you need to repent of is the fear of man. And that's what God always does. And when we spend time before him, when we express, God, really what's in my heart, you know it's funny? That it's never, it's never what we think it is. Never is. So as we step into Matthew chapter 5, Jesus starts out with this wonderful passage of chapter, uh, verse 3 through verse 12, 13, 14, called the Beatitudes. And uh, how many, Jesus, Jesus proclaimed the Beatitudes not so that one day these beautiful words could be on parchment or on a piece of paper and we go, oh, what beautiful words these are. You know, it's just how it's expressed. It just does my heart so well or whatever. But there's a reason why he is sharing what he is sharing. And the Beatitudes is a description of the journey of the heart. It's really what should be within the heart. And this journey has eight Beatitudes within it. The first four is our journey unto God, into God. As we come into his presence, as we come into a relationship with him. 
The next four is our journey from God to others and how we live our life. And it's all about the attitude of the heart. It's all about what's really on the inside of the heart. And so here he is, and he, and he begins here that which is expressed throughout all of the, the Sermon on the Mount. He begins with the Beatitudes. And so let's just take a moment. Let's just read these. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, starting in verse 3, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, one thing you'll understand is that as it begins with each Beatitude, he uses the word what? Blessed. Blessed. So he's saying, listen, if your heart contains these things, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. It is God's heart that the goodness of God would be established and shown into our lives. And he says that you're going to be blessed if your heart is molded and conformed and contains these things. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now remember, these are the first four. And these first four is all about a, the journey of our heart into the relationship with God. If we look back over this, just, just kind of focus upon verse 3, 4, 5, and 6 here. And this is what he's saying. That we realize by being poor in spirit that we are spiritually bankrupt in our spirit. And we need God. He says we bless him when we mourn, that we mourn over our sinfulness. We mourn over that we are separated from God. We humble ourselves before our Savior, knowing our absolute need for him. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that is what needs to be within your heart, in the matters of your heart, the issues of your heart. So it says that not only do we recognize the condition that we're in, but it affects our lives. It moves us to change. He says, blessed are the meek that we humble ourselves before the Lord and we declare our desperate need for Him. And then he goes on, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we begin to hunger and thirst for the righteousness that we don't have, which can only be found in a right relationship with Jesus. So as a result of all of that, by the grace of God, we turn to Christ in faith. And we repent and we receive forgiveness and salvation. I'm sure that many of you have, that's been a part of the journey of your heart that you have gone on. That's what was contained in your heart of your realization of your separation for God, your need for God. That it wasn't anything you could do, but you needed to, to humble yourself and come into the Lord. And you needed to hunger and thirst for something that would change your life and bring a righteousness into your life, a right standing with God that you on your own, through your own efforts, could never do. Now remember that he's speaking to a people that that's not the way they live their life. They live their life pursuing righteousness by their works. So they are frustrated, they are separated, and Jesus is... Jesus is saying, listen, I want to let you know this is the journey that your heart must take. Your heart must take if you're going to 
if you're going to come into the new kingdom that I have for you. You know, if you're here today, you've never made that journey in your heart of recognizing that you're desperate need for God. Recognizing that you cannot do it on your own. Recognize you can't fix yourself. And you're in that place of that desperate place in God. Well, that's a journey that this morning God wants to bring your heart into. Because of that right standing with Him only comes from a free gift that salvation brings into your life. And I just want to encourage you with all my heart. You know, if that's where you're at, don't hold back. Don't wait. Because I want to tell you, God desires to so change your life. So bring you into a different realm of living. And that's exactly what Jesus proclaims here. So it's very simple. If that's you this morning. We're going to have time here in a little bit. Uh, our prayer team up here, we would love to pray with you this morning. If you've never made that journey, if you've never made that journey with your heart, today is your day. It's a good day. I tell you, it's a good day. I remember my day, July 16th, 1972. was my day. When I woke up this morning, I didn't realize it was going to be my day. But it was my day of realizing, in a moment, realizing that I was poor in spirit. In a moment, mourning over the condition of my life. In a moment of realizing that, God, I cannot do this. I need you. And in a moment, hungering and thirsting for the righteousness that only He can provide for me. And I'll tell you, it changed my life. <laughs> it was incredible. It changed my it changed everything. Everything inside of me. I still remember walking outside and asking people, has the sky always been that blue? I mean it was like it was a new world I had stepped into. Three D. You know? It was the colors were vibrant. It was different. I was different on the inside. That something had been had been removed off of my life, out of my life, a deadness that was there. And I was born again, fresh and new, a son of the living God, beginning a relationship, a journey of my heart into God. And that's what Jesus talks about for the next four verses. When He says, blessed are those. And it goes back because, of, because once we come together and have His righteousness, we still hunger for the righteousness of God, but for the, His righteousness that might change us, will sanctify us. So blessed are those who hunger now that are in Him, hungering and thirsting for, that, for the righteousness that they have. For they will be filled, God says. What a great promise. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I love that. You know? If you feel like that God is distant, whatever, well, maybe there's something about the condition of your heart that needs to change. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed when they revile and persecute you, in verse 11, and say all kinds of evil against you, falsely, uh, things against you falsely for, you, for my sake. Rejoice, he says, and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For the, so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then he goes on, and I love this. And he says, because of the journey of your heart, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how can it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown and trampled underfoot by man. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on the hill. He says, so let your light shine before men. What is Jesus saying? What is he saying in this? Very quickly, he says this. From the place of salvation, from the journey of your heart that you've, you have taken that journey into the thing of God, and you're moving out from the from God to others, from a place of salvation and the justifying righteousness of Christ, we continue to hunger and thirst for Him. We live a life of mercy toward others because we have experienced mercy. There is a pureness in our heart, and we purpose to live life in peace with others without compromising our beliefs. And we continue to live from the heart despite the fact that we will at times experience persecution from others. But we have been called to be salt and light in this dark world. From this place, Jesus begins to deal with the matters of the heart. And he begins this comparison of what, how, how the Pharisees, how the religious people deal with the external but he deals with the internal. And so one of the challenges I want you to do is to take from, from that passage at the end of verse 16 and read through here and ask God, show me, Father, how you are dealing with the matters of the heart. Matthew 5, 21 and 26, he's, he's, talk, he's talking about how to deal with the offenses of our heart. Matthew 5, 27 and 37, he deals with the issue of honor and trust in, in a covenant relationship such as marriage. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 48, he deals with love and how to respond when hurt or persecuted. The condition of our heart, the attitude of our heart, the motive and the, the matter of our heart, living life from the inside out. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, he deals with what it means to give from the heart, the attitude of giving. And he goes on talking about uh, a devoted heart in the realm of prayer and fasting. goes on and deals with the identification. What are the treasures of our heart? How do we handle the actions of others? How do we see others through our heart instead of judging them on the outside? And he goes on. So I encourage you, this is a little bit of an overview today, but I encourage you, that God wants you to begin to change the way you, we look at things and the way we live, and we live from the place of the heart. Because many, th- many times we realize something is wrong in our life, and we do the very wrong thing instead of dealing it from the place of the heart, from a place of intimacy with God. We deal it trying to fix the outside and to make ourselves better. We've got this bush in our yard it's called a butterfly bush. How many of y'all have butterfly bushes in your yard? And they, they get huge. You know, I didn't realize how big these things can get. 
And, 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 and so in order to, to slow the growth of this bush, we're always pruning this bush back. Thinking, well, okay, now we'll, we'll just cut it down to the ground and that'll take care of that bush. Now, how many of you know that when you prune something, when you cut away the outside part of it, what does it do? It bushes out, doesn't it? It flourishes, man. So we've got this, if we just let this bush grow, I mean, it would it'd be higher than our house, I think, almost. But, you know, we do life in the same way. We do life in the same way. We see something in our life that we know that is not right. And we say, well, I can deal with that. You know, I'll fix that. And we try to prune it. We try to go after that which is seen. Well, we try to do that in other people's lives. Don't we? How many of you have tried to do, fix others? You know, you have tried to cut off that thing that is ugly, you don't like, that bothers you, that messes you up, that makes you angry, uh, whatever it is, and you just say, I'll fix that. You know, and maybe just saying, this, don't ever do that again. You know, I'll cut that off or whatever type thing. I mean, you know, it comes back more. That if you're going to get to something, you have to deal with the root. You have to deal with the root. But in life, in dealing with life, we deal it not from the heart many times, but we deal it from the outside. We try to take care of that and we try to fix it. And it never is fixed that way. Never is fixed. The thing that fixes our life, <laughs> it boils down to one thing, and it's this. It's intimacy with the Father. It's that. And that's one of the things that Jesus is trying to bring forth in all of this. The reason that the life of Jesus was so different because He lived life from the place of His intimacy with the Father. He always said that. That if you see anything in my life, it's because of my Father. Because of my Father. So, if Jesus lived like that, life like that, how could we live life any different? How can we live life any different? Let me just give you something to take home with you very quickly here. I always have more than what I can share. Always. Seems that. Steps toward true intimacy. One, desire it above all things. Just got to desire it above all things. I love that passage in Matthew 13. It says that, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man finds. And he hides it. And for joy over that field, he goes and sells everything that he has to possess that field. That should be our attitude, our desire toward the intimacy with God. That nothing will take its place. That it is, it is a prize. My time with God is a prize to be treasured above all other things. And if, you're, if your life is going to be transformed and changed, it's going to be because of your intimacy with the Father. Your place in Him. So, invest your life into intimate moments. doesn't matter when it is, where it is. Take every available opportunity in life 
for a place of intimacy. If you know on Monday nights that this is a time of prayer, time given before the God, we're going to be in His presence, be here. Be a part of that. Take advantage of that intimate moment. You know on Sunday mornings, man, that you're going to, you're going to, you're going to experience worship here that I believe is not found in many churches. I just say that because I really believe. I'm just so appreciative of Jason and Elizabeth and our team and what's in their hearts. And I just know, and I travel to other churches, and I know that, listen, we have something here that is very, very special that brings us into the presence of God. Invest your time into the intimacy of God. Take every opportunity for intimacy with Him. Because at intimate times and places will always fuel the passion for love. It always fuels the passion for love. How many of you know that are married, that when you're able to get away and just spend time with your spouse, maybe on vacation, or just getting away overnight, it's amazing how it fuels something in your life of the love that you have for each other. It's the same way in our relationship with God. Face to face. I love that passage out of Exodus chapter 33 where it talks about that when the Lord would speak to Moses, he would speak to him face to face. There was no pretense. It was transparent. From the Father to Moses, from Moses to the Father. It says, as a man would speak to a friend. That that place when God... When God is establishing something within your heart, it's got to be a place of transparency. It's got to be a place that's real. Amen? I mean, it's never, it's never profitable in a relationship or friendship if they're not real with you. It's just, it's just kind of like, well, it's just not what relationships are meant for, to be that way. But to be real face-to-face with Him. Just want to encourage you, dependency upon the Lord is not a crutch, but it's a lifestyle. That we are meant to live this life totally dependent upon our Lord. I want to encourage you, guard your affections for other things. Because the enemy will come in so easily and he will steal your affections away for other things where they need, be, need to be for the Lord. And let me encourage you in this way. I love in Timothy where Paul is exhorting Timothy to fan the flame that's within him. Remember that passage? We need to be around people. When we're in the presence of God, it fans the flame. I want to tell you, we need to be around people that does that for us. That we are around that person and it fans the flame of our heart. That we're not living from the outside in, but we're living from the inside out. I want to encourage you that if you want to live your life from the inside out and it's from the issues of the heart and matters of the heart that flows out from your heart, hang out with people that fans your flame. It's real simple. I want to tell you, it makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? There are people in my life that I love being around because it fans something on the inside of me. So, all right, that is all I have today.
Can we all stand up? Let me encourage you today. If there are things within your life, things in the issues of your heart that you need prayer for, let me just go ahead and encourage our prayer ministry team to come on up here to be ready to pray. If this is not your Sunday, it doesn't matter. Come on up here anyway. Get ready to pray. All right. Guys, thanks so much for being here this morning, being a part of this time together. And uh, I urge you, encourage you to examine Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 and purpose to live your life from the inside out and what that means. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord God. Thank you this morning, Father, for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord God, that when we are as we've met with Jesus and heard the teaching and, and the, the things that Jesus encouraged people in, Father. Lord, we just thank you today that we were able to come to that mountaintop this morning and sit down for a bit and just be in His presence and to hear His heart. That He desires for us to live in a different way, in a different kingdom, Father, from the place of intimacy with You. So, Lord, I thank you this morning, Father. Lord, that you would, you would speak cl- clearly to our hearts. And help us, Lord, Father, that in the things that we recognize that needs to change and needs to be different, that we won't try to do it ourselves or we won't try to fix ourselves because we can't. But God, is as we come to you and we hunger and thirst for your presence and your power and your influence in our life, Father. Our lives are transformed and changed. So, Lord, I thank you, Father, this morning that as we have gathered together and as we leave here, that we just thank you that your grace covers us, fills us, is upon us, Lord God, and we just give you praise for all these things. Amen. If you need prayer, please, we'd love to pray with you before you go home today. Have a wonderful day. God bless you, okay?